Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everybody, to the Red Zone Report right here on the Built-In Buffalo YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter streams. It is brought to you by PLB Sports Entertainment, makers of Josh's Jacks, the JA-17 line of coffee, and the Dick's 14 line of hot sauces. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the Resident Report, as we said in the intro, right here on the Built-In Buffalo YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. You can catch us all week. We have shows all week. And today, I have a special guest with me today, as you see the different layout. This is my two-man layout. Why? Because one of my friends here in Built-In Buffalo, one of the guys who I was able to meet at the Red and Blue scrimmage, the Return of the Red and Blue, the one and only Sauce God, Anthony. Here we go. Well, gee, I don't know. You call me, you know, a special guest. I don't know about all that, Izzy. Of course, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you in the Resume Report. Now, obviously, not my first time here with you, Izzy, but it was obviously yes. great to actually get a chance to meet you at Barbell Tavern and talk chicken wings and actually share a bucket of blues with you, which, That's hey, cool. man, if you ever get a chance to talk Bills football and you get a chance to share some blues with people, you know, you, you had yourself quite the day. So, guys, do me a favor. Show Izzy some support and show us here some support with Built in Buffalo. Make sure to like and share. We're going to have a kick-ass show. Izzy, I'm happy to be here, brother. Let's get it going, man. Hey, I'm happy to have you, man. And, you know, it was a it was a pretty crazy week for me because I went up to Buffalo at two weeks after going to Rochester for my aunt's 70th birthday. I love you, Didi. Happy birthday again. It's been a month, but whatever. I still love you. Um, and then two weeks later, back up to Buffalo for the red and blue, and then met Lance, met Sauce God here, met uh, freaking uh, Shoop at the game. Yeah. We met, yeah. we met uh, Matt. We met him at the game. Like It was a whole built-in Peter. Buffalo thing. Peter was there with his girlfriend. They came exactly. from uh, Long Island, I think, right? Yeah, and and, Pete, and Peter's, you know, a story, obviously, kind of like always uh, – 
throws me off a little bit. You know, he was interning with the Patriots, but he obviously likes the Bills and covers the Buffalo Bills. So, uh, but yeah. it was a great chance to to kind of vibe with some of the people that make the content here and, you know, put all this effort in to bringing the most entertaining and informative shows here for Bill's Mafia. So, uh, Izzy, you know, real fast, I just want to ask you, aside from Bill's stuff right here, what did you think of Anthony Richardson? I mean, I thought that I saw some flashes, you know what I mean, for uh, kind of going against a pretty good defense in the Buffalo Bills. What did you think? He reminded me of young Josh. You know, like when Josh first came in, um, he's got a better surrounding cast than Josh had, so he he looked a little bit better. Uh, but he had the errant throw to Dane Jackson, you know, where it looked like it went right to Dane, right over the head of Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, I saw Isaiah McKenzie's interview where he said, you know, I told him it was on me. You know, I'm supposed to be on on you know on the same page as you, and if I mess that up, that's you know that's on me. But he went out there and he had a pretty good showing. He didn't score any touchdowns, but he moved the team up and down the field for the Colts. And uh, you know, as long as they surround him with the right pieces, I think he's got a chance to really you know do his thing and be a good integral part for the Colts. Uh, now I'm not a Colts fan, so I honestly don't care how good they do, but that's not me being apart from hoping that, you know, a young player has a good career on, uh, you know, ahead of him. I hope he has a good career ahead of him as long as it's not to the, uh, the detriment of the Buffalo bills, so to speak. Exactly. As long as it doesn't interfere with our pathway, right? That's exactly what I told Davis Webb when I met him actually in Allentown. I said, you know, good luck over there in New Jersey with Brian Dable. As long as it doesn't interfere with the Buffalo Bills winning a Super Bowl. Is that the, is that Buffalo Bobby there, is he? Yeah, that's Bobby. That's, that's, well, I call him Robbie. You call him Bobby. That's you. <laughs> I, I switch. Yeah. I call him Buffalo Robbie, Buffalo Bobby. He, he tells me he likes, you know, one this week, one that week. Yeah, you know, Robbie's great. Uh, he and I text all the time. He's a great kid. Uh, like Loves to bowl. Uh, I'm sure I'd like to go bowling with him, but he'd probably kill me in bowling because I Dude. suck. He bowls some phenomenal scores, and I suck at bowling, right? But he's texting me his bowling scores when I'm live in the sit-down. And he's going when I'm going to my getting saucy is when he tends to have higher scores, too. So I love that. Love it. Good vibes yeah. in here, Izzy. Hell, yeah. No, we, we got a great crowd at Built in Buffalo. A lot of guys check out a lot of our different content. I'll go on some of your shows and, and be in the crowd and just interact with people. And I'll see, you know, similar, you know, fans for all the shows. So it's great to have some uh, camaraderie and some uh, – some street of core among the, the Bills fans who watch our shows and hoping to grow the fan base here at Built in Buffalo. But, uh, yeah, the game on Saturday, I didn't get to watch a lot of the first quarter. I was working, and then right as I was getting off work, the second quarter started, so I had to go back and watch highlights. Um, so I missed some things, uh, but I did see some other things. And James Cook, man, he they have him as RB1, and he's looking like RB1. What do you think? I here's what I've been saying is that I liked Devin Singletary. I thought that he was consistent when we asked him to be, but I thought that James Cook obviously was why, you know, he's the future for this uh, offense as the running back at one. And I think that he showed exactly how versatile he really is. I mean, if the guy averages five yards per carry, which he did and scored a touchdown, then he's doing his job. But I would like to see the Buffalo Bills run the football more this year, just because, I really believe that we're going to see a different level of Josh Allen if we have a run game that has to be respected and is um, per se in control of the game and in control of the clock situation. Because, man, if you can have a sound – look at the 49ers. They can pass the football, Izzy. They can pass the football, right? But they got a great defense and they run the football very well. So I think that James Cook also makes you have to respect him in the passing game as well. Um, the only reason, obviously, we didn't see Damian Harris is he had that knee injury. 
But I, I saw a couple flashes out of Latavius Murray. I think Latavius Murray's probably got too much mileage on him to really, um, you know, bring any sort of pow-pow. But uh, there were a lot of receivers that I was paying attention to the most. So I, I can't wait to kind of get into that. But go. Uh, what did you think? James Cook, does, does he really uh, maybe get 15 to 25 carries per game this year or touches per I'd se? Say, I'd say touches, yeah. I'd say 15 to 25 touches per game would be a safe, uh, safe bet for him. Uh, Latavius Murray, I'm actually really glad he's on the team right now, especially with the Damian Harris knee situation. Uh, you know, they're saying it's just general soreness, but, you know, he's had a history of injuries. So I like having two power backs. I liked having two speed backs with uh, with uh, Cook and Hines. But, you know, unfortunately, Hines had that, you know, unfortunate accident on the water. Uh, but Damian Harris is kind of that in-between guy. who's He's got speed. He's got power. He can catch up the backfield. And he can break big ones on you. Latavius mm-hmm. Murray, though, you said that you don't know about him being, bring, being able to bring the pow-pow. Uh, I think that's really one of the only things well, he I mean, does bring. He's, he's obviously going to be a downhill. I'm, I'm saying, per, like, he had that 90-plus yard uh, touchdown yeah. run with the Raiders a long time ago. But 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 still, I think we uh, have fresh legs with James Cook. And I think yes. if Damian Harris can come back and play healthy and he can get his maybe 10 carries, like, you know, 10 carries, he can get his kind of, like, downhill type of uh, role in this offense – our run game is going to be more respectful. And not that our run game was ever anything to laugh at anyways, if you ask me. I mean, I just thought that when you have Josh Allen, you're going to obviously build the offense, cater to what he can do because he is the offense. He is the system. But you still have to try and run the football because what does Josh Allen do really well? Well, he plays and, and runs the play action really well. And how do you set up the play action? You have to set up the run. If they don't, if they allow you to run the football four yards every single down, you run it and you keep doing it until they stop you. And so I think James Cook kind of showing that um, definitely shows a little bit of signs of that and how our offense is kind of uh, evolving and maybe maturing under Ken Dorsey. However, I'd like to see maybe uh, more running out of uh, maybe out of the uh, under center, uh, the I formation that's a back set. Rather than oh, coming out of the shotgun so much, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes I I don't really know if I I like the way that we come out of the shotgun just because of I don't think our guards pull well, um, and and that's something I got to see kind of come and and change a little bit, Izzy. But uh, overall, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good things to take away as far as the Bills' running game, and he, that was one of the the highlights I think for that first preseason game. Yeah, uh, Sarah here in the comments, you know, brought up uh, Mims. He he was out there like he's trying to make the damn team. Like he he's not conceding ground to anybody. And if anybody who is not, you know, one of the four dudes or now is three with Harris, uh, with Cook mm-hmm. and with Murray, Mims is starting to make a case for himself. So I, I like him. He's not quite in the 53 for me at this point. But, you know, he's got two more preseason games to really leave no doubt and that one play where he jumped over dude and then ran for another five to seven yards after that. That was, I was impressed with the kid. I, I liked him. Mm-hmm. I think that the bills definitely have a ton of depth, especially at the skill players um, area of the offense. And I think that that's a good problem to have, but ultimately James cook, you're going to have Damian Harris, Latavius Murray's got a shot at making it, but Mims is definitely making a case too. And yeah. ultimately you want people that can come in it, you know, I hate to use the Patriots for any sort of example, but they had guys that were running backs, but they didn't necessarily play a traditional role of running back. You had like James White, 
Um, you had Rex Burkhead or, you know, um, I can't think of the other guys too, but they just had a couple of different types of backs. And that also opened up the system a little bit more too, because one thing that Tom Brady did really well with New England was he didn't make the incredible throws. He made throws to almost every single receiver that was available to him at some point, right? That he spread the football around so that the fact that Josh has that sort of option with the guys that he's uh, got at his disposal right now is a good sign as well. I just don't want to see Reggie Gilliam going for deep fade routes. You know, as Benjamin Shoup, he'll tell you exactly. We don't need to see Ken Dorsey. We're talking right now. I don't need to see the, the, the deep fade route with Reggie Gilliam, back shoulder fade stuff. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Reggie Gilliam, he's, he's faster than most fullbacks. And I think he's got potential to be play that kind of Larry Center's role in this offense if they really want to use him that way. Um, I don't see us dialing up too many fullback plays, but he has his place in this offense. He's a solid blocker, solid receiver. Um, he's undersized as a tight end, but he's a little too tall for fullback, but he plays the role well in Buffalo. Uh, he's got good hands. I haven't really seen him drop anything. He's caught just about everything I've seen thrown his way. Uh, I think he could get mm-hmm. use a bump in the amount of touches he gets. But, again, I, like you, I don't want to see him, you know, 30 yards downfield catching back shoulder fades from Josh Allen. I want to see him, you know, getting the ball now, yards and then taking it, you know, another 10. I'm going to tell you the the real winners of the preseason game are – it's not the starters, guys. It's, it's the guys that – here's the real winners. You got the CB2 battle. The guys that get those, you know, amount of reps and those snaps are they're they're crucial, right? And especially with those two competing the way that they have been in training camp, that's a big one. The guys that are competing for a slot receiver role position or return man position, guys like Andy Isabella, Hardy, Sherfield, right? Khalil Shakir. I think that the fact that you don't have Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen playing just I, it just opened up the opportunity for these guys to kind of come in and get valuable reps and get a real shot at being looked at to see, hey, maybe can this guy uh, play on this team? Because there's a reason Jay Kumaro stuck around for so damn long. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the guy did something that was worth being seen, and I think that we're seeing it come out of a lot of different guys now. Andy Isabel is one I want to go into a little bit, Izzy, and, and that's only because in the sit-down, I, Lance and I discussed that – we would see a potential rise in stock from some players that you'd least expect. And for me, Andy Isabella was one of them. He had three catches, 42 yards. I like the way that he cuts. I like the he's got speed that reminds me a little bit of Wes Welker in a sense, and he's tough. And I think that in Arizona, he never really got his fair shot. I think that he's always had the speed. He's always had the skill set. You just need a really good quarterback throwing to you. You need the right system and culture and, uh, you know, environment to thrive in. So I think that Andy Isabella has got a shot at making this team. I think that he had a really great uh, preseason game, and he's had a solid training camp. But Khalil Shakir, he makes the catches, right? But I don't know if you guys saw Kyle Allen is scrambling to try and reach for a first down, and we all know that Kyle Allen didn't play very well at all yesterday, but here he goes to make a play and, and make the first down. Khalil Shakir, though, turned upfield and made a really, really good block to allow his quarterback to then uh, reach and secure the first down. Now, that's asking a lot out of a guy that's 5'10", you know, 6 foot. Khalil Shakir's not a big dude, but he no. plays like he is. He gets separation, and he does everything you ask him. And people still want to uh, maybe not let him take that role, which I thought that it was his role to lose in the first place anyway. He's coming into year two. I agree. I think, I think Khalil Shakir – Showed a lot of promise yesterday. He played well. 
he had the drop, and it was a bad drop. It was hard. It was it was it was a really bad drop, and it would have given us the first down and, and extended the drive. But you know, second year players still going through it. Preseason game, he's out there trying to shine. I think that he would do well to just remove the pressure from himself and just play the damn game. I think that that's where his downfall is. He's trying to do too much in those instances. Yeah, but I do want to say this. I think especially because I remember when Jamar Chase was a rookie and yeah. he had a terrible preseason. Everybody goes, oh, this is a, a trash pick. And I go, come on, you guys. It's like it's preseason. So don't jump the gun so much. It, not not you necessarily, but is what I say to people because just because he's – not doing so now, but it doesn't mean that he's not going to tighten it up, especially when it comes time to actually, you know, get real game time. And, and that's something that I saw out of him as a rookie last season. I think that just the level of competition that they do have, like you said, you know, it, it makes some pressure that he needs to alleviate for himself. But I think that'll all come just by, you know, getting the action and getting those reps. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I, the preseason doesn't mean a whole ton, but, you know, I think that when there's a competition at a position like where Shakir is, is going, he's got. I love Roy Collins, by the way. Roy Collins is real G. Roy, Roy is awesome. He's all, he's on every one of my shows. Uh, when I when I'm tuned into somebody else's show, whether it's with Built in Buffalo or somebody else, I try to interact with Roy in the comments because Roy's awesome. Roy's I got to get his awesome. info so I can send him a Christmas card. I'm not even kidding. I, I got to. That'd be awesome. If he's in Buffalo, you might be able to deliver, deliver, deliver it yourself. But um. Yeah, uh, I think that Shakir, you know, the preseason, it can be overblown. And he's in competition, so he's, you know, trying extra hard to shine. And you have to let that stuff come organically. That stuff's got to come organically. But the whole blocking thing that you brought up, that's that's situational awareness. That's knowing where you are at the time that you're there, recognizing what's going on in front of you, and then doing what's needed to be done in order to make that. And not being afraid to do it. Yeah. And then making it the best situation that it could possibly be in that moment. And blocking exactly. for Kyle Allen and allowing him to get that first down, that's a big play. It just goes unrecognized because it's a block and it's not flashy and exciting. It's, it's freaking boring, to be honest. But when you actually sit here and you're able to break it down, X's and O's, and see where someone improvised to make the play better, he's outstanding at that. And last year, mm-hmm. he had his one catch, I think it was against Pittsburgh. Up the middle, three receivers around, three uh, defenders around him, goes up, gets the ball, first down. I think that he's got real good innate ability. He just has to zone it in. He's got to just I also it. think that we need Josh throwing the football to him and instead of a, a you know a second or third string quarterback, and that could make the difference right there. Um, I think Khalil Shakir is just like I said, you have Sherfield, you have Hardy, you how you, you draft Kincaid, and there's been a lot of talk about him taking that um, uh, rep set, the rec- you know, slot receiver role as well. So, I mean, for him, I don't I don't necessarily think it's pressure. I think it's just – I just think it's part of the sophomore, you know, slumpish type thing. But I, ultimately, I like the kid. I think that he's got that it factor. And I think that he's got this, like, little sense of rel- reliability that when he gets his groove and he gets his level of consistency and his rhythm, I think that he's going to really be dangerous and a bigger part in this offense than people necessarily know. Yeah, uh, I think that he ha- he has big potential as well. And while I understand that Kincaid's going to take you know some of those slot reps away from whoever our slot receiver is, uh, I don't see us lining up in twelve personnel all the time. You know, I, I see us lining up in there more than usual. And you know, you'll actually see him when we run like four wides. 
you'll see Kincaid out there as well. And he's actually he actually lined up at the uh, at the at the Y this past game. He was out there wide, you know, and it was I think it was a run play, but he, he got there. He was doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll use Kincaid in many different ways. He's not just going to be the slot guy. He's going to play in line. He's going to play outside. He's going to play all over the place. You'll see him in the backfield probably some as, as, a, as a backfield receiver. Uh, I, I really like the kid, but I don't think that should take away from the slot receivers as much as people think it will. Mm-hmm. And I think that Dalton Kincaid is just a guy that can kind of come in and, and he can maybe secure some targets that, uh, you know, with his sure hands that we are hoping to see that uh, you, you need out of a tight end. And I think that that's one thing that Josh has had with Dawson, yes, but there are times where Dawson needs to be blocking in the run game, and there are times that we need a guy like Dalton Kincaid to kind of come in and, and ease that. So I'm excited to see that, too. I know that we didn't get to see a ton of uh, action out of Dalton Kincaid, but, um, Izzy, I want to actually jump over to a defensive player here in a minute. Um, but, guys, we're here in the red zone with Izzy. I'm here, Sauce God, on the Built of Buffalo Network. Let's get a like and share if you guys haven't done so. And uh, let's keep these vibes going. Let's keep the input going, too, Izzy. We got a lot of comments coming in so far, man. So I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, That's how my show works, man. I this is talk, a very comment-driven show. But I want to jump over to how are you going to make a case to get Taylor Rapp off the field? You Ooh, know what I'm saying? Like, he looks exactly. good. He looks really good. Like, he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of he's taking that Micah Hyde and Green Bay role where – He's playing some linebacker. He's playing some some nickel. He's playing some safety. He's playing deep. He's playing short. He's playing in the box. He's playing in the, in the slot or not slot, in the flats. That dude can do everything, and that is a dangerous dude. He's a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to the defense, and in this defense, I really think he's going to be a piece that you see blitzed quite a bit, and people aren't bringing that up so much. I think that Taylor Rapp is going to be a blitz piece in this, in this defense. Uh, if you saw that game on Saturday. Yeah, but he can also drop back into coverage too, man. And, and, and he drops back into coverage. He makes tackles. And dude, I mean, that's Covered just a guy ends. that it's going to be hard to get him off the field. But he kind of reminds me uh, a little bit of like I'm trying to think of like a, a, a linebacker that kind of played a little bit of a safety-ish. You know what I mean? Mark Barron. Um, yes, Mark Barron out of Alabama. That's right. And then he played for um, who did he play for in the NFL? I think it was on the Rams. Yeah, regard. Yeah, so that's a good one right there. Or a, a guy kind of like Eric Berry in a sense. Eric Berry was yeah. maybe a little bit smaller, but Eric Berry was kind of like guy. a hybrid type of player. That poor guy. And I think that that's the only good thing because Micah and Jordan Poyer were both two guys that were injured last year, and if you have that, you know, ability to let them take a couple plays off, then by all means. And he's got less mileage. I think that he was a really, really low key addition that. Could be kind of like a little bit of an unsung hero. And he can play in the dime, too. Yeah. Yeah, he can play dime. He can play nickel. He can play linebacker. He, he's done it all so far for the Bills this offseason, and I'm very impressed and very glad that they signed him. Very glad mm-hmm. they signed him. Um, mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard to get him off the field since we don't have a true middle linebacker. So you're going to see probably whenever there's three or more wide receivers out there, Milano and Rap out there at linebacker with either Milano or Rap you know, signaling the rest of the defense, which Rap is a smart guy. I don't know if you've seen his interviews. He's a, he's a really intelligent player. He could run with that role, and they might decide to to go that way on most passing downs or downs where they're not really sure what's going on. But then mm-hmm. on running down, put in somebody like a Dotson 
who can go out there and just hit a hole and tackle. But Dawson did look very good. See, now, I'm the type of guy that I like to think outside the box, right? When you have these types of caliber players um, and you have the amount of these types of players too, and you have just the opportunity to kind of switch it up, I would be out there trying to create some type of brand new defense, like a like a three safety set that's got, you know, Taylor Rapp like the middle. You know what I mean? Like there's things that I feel like we could just we, – we have to make sure that we utilize him as much as possible because we don't want to yeah. uh, waste any of that potential for what he could bring. But I do want to say, obviously, still that, you know, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyatt are still the, the two safeties that, you know, should be starting for the Bills. Um, and I want to get into the linebacker discussion with you in a little bit here, bro, but – how about DeMar Hamlin actually really making some solid plays and looking like he was no hesitation, no fear whatsoever, and including that uh, fourth down stop that he contributed to as well? Yeah, I, I was actually quite impressed with DeMar Hamlin going out there and not being scared at all. Uh, there were plays in there where he was making the initial hit. There were other plays where he was you know, helping somebody clean up something. I was just happy to see him going on with his life in the NFL post that that issue because you know that that takes that takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of a lot of cojones. It's, it's it's a real fortitude to come back from almost dying to come back and be like you know what the hell with it I'm laying somebody out and he did that just fine yesterday. Strong and faith, so, yeah, strong faith indeed. And I, I think that him having his faith having his family have his back, having the Bills and the players on the Bills and the coaches have his back, the doctors letting him know, hey, this is a one-off thing. You should be fine. And him trusting in that and not caring about the repercussions, just I'm going to go out there and do me. I'm going to be me, and I'm going to light things up the best I can. And I think that he's basically thus far locked down that fourth safety spot. I think it's Hyde, Hoyer, Rap, Hamlin. Well, yeah, there's there's no way on earth that DeMar Hamlin is going to not be on the team this year. It would be terrible for for tons of reasons, PR, business, and for everything. But I think that, you know, DeMar Hamlin showed field, yesterday. He, he played he played much better yesterday than I've seen him play in, in previous games. So, I don't know. You never know. Sometimes that kind of stuff sparks something out of people where all of a sudden something kicks in. So, what if DeMar Hamlin comes out and he's playing at that type of level as well? I mean, hey, that's great because last year, I always say that I don't like to blame injuries ever, but injuries definitely derailed our season last year. So if we could really have some depth and true depth, it'd be great. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and at safety, you never know because Porter and Hyatt have been dinged up quite a bit. And if someone gets dinged up, you want to have options. You want to have Hamlin and Rap, especially if you intend on using Rap in those roles outside of a traditional safety and say, you know, God forbid Hyder Poyer gets hurt. You can mm-hmm. put Hamlin out there and still use Rap in the role that you're already using him in. Because I don't see DeMar Hamlin being able to run that same role that Rap is doing with the versatility. I think Hamlin is pretty versatile, but Rap is on another level when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So I see this with that comment right there too. Um, you know, I, I think that everybody in the world, including myself, uh, thought that we were going to see Dalton Kincaid kind of get some, you know, targets right away, give him some reps, right? Nah, don't do that. Everybody in the world expects it. You don't do it. You know, let the kid kind of ease in when you want to. And it's not that we're, you know, keeping it off film. I don't think that has anything to do with it. And at the end of the day, people are going to see what he's going to do regardless. And uh, it's, I don't think it has anything to do with Josh being out there too. I think it's just because 
you know, I'm sure that everybody expected him to be targeted. So instead of letting him be targeted and, uh, you know, maybe get lit up a little bit or, um, you know, maybe not necessarily come down with success in the plays that they go to him because of the level of people expecting it. Um, I think that that's just kind of a, a smart professional move too. That's just strategic in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, putting putting stuff on tape, putting stuff out there, showing your hand. I don't think the preseason is for that. The preseason is to get your guys reps and figure out who's going to be on your team. And I think that, you know, a lot of guys being on your team and figuring out who belongs where is more important than running your installation because you do that in practice. That's that's for practice. It's not for the world to see. And the Bills are – When we talk about practice. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about practice here. In, in, in preseason games, we ain't talking about practice. We're talking about you making a squad. You make the reads that you're supposed to make at your position to see if you can think on your toes. We're not sending you out here with the mm-hmm. actual purpose. We're sending you out here – with the play, you're on defense. We're in a cover two, robber scheme. Four down linemen, two linebackers, three corners, two safeties. Run it, and let's see how you run it. Are you going to make the correct decision? And if the play is made by the offense, we're not looking at whether the play was made. We're looking at were you in the right place? Were you doing your assignment? Was your one eleventh covered? If you did that, then fine. That's what. That's what. That's what it is. The preseason is not to go out there and try and practice the plays that we're going to actually try in the regular season. No, when they, when we tried it out last year against the Rams, they had no indication what the hell we were going to do to them. And we boxed them up pretty bad. And that's mm-hmm. I, I see that happening more this year. Like the Bills are not going to go out there and show any of their super shiny, super secret plays that you're going to have to deal with. No, they're going to go out there and run basic generic crap. So that way when you go out there in the regular season, you have no idea what's coming. And yeah, I mean, even the run plays. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, but I think, too, the uh, we did see a little bit of what McDermott's defense is going to be more like this year in the sense that I believe it's going to be more aggressive and uh, more violent, right? And and I think that's yeah. a good thing. That's kind of what we need. And uh, ultimately, you'll see even the Kansas City Chiefs, they'll unload plays later in the season that you just – or like they wait till they play the Bills and then – they use those plays that you know that people don't know about because you use your ammunition when you need to. You don't shoot until you actually have a bunch, you know, until you have a shot. So I think um, the Bills are just kind of going out there, getting a taste for it, you know, getting a, a chance to kind of hit other team, uh, other teams, and get a chance to kind of get that rhythm back and uh, be out there with the fans again and get a taste for football, which is just a real contagious feeling. Yeah. And football being back, man, listen, I'm on YouTube and, and, and Facebook and all these different things, posting up memes, uh, you know, me saying goodbye to my family because football starting again, doing the Jackie Jones Hall. I just, I'm happy football's back. Um, and we, you know, we're getting asked questions and, you know, a lot of things right here, like this one here by uh, Sarah again, who's been a great contributor this far on the show. Uh, but wouldn't it be better to get him game time practice in preseason rather than I don't think so because it's very vanilla. It's not it's it's very basic schemes here in the preseason. We're not doing anything compl- complicated that where he's gonna benefit from it like that. He's making the team, everybody knows he's making the team. Uh let the other guys go out there and do their best to make the squad. I don't think that that's important. But the football's back and man, I can't wait for this season. And, and the best thing about it, 
is that the media and most pundits are down on the bills. So let's go. Exactly. So let me give you a little quick shout out here, Izzy, because I'm, I'm happy to be your co-host here and be your special guest. You know, I got to bring that energy. But you guys are live here in the Red Zone Report, hosted by Izzy every Sunday and sometimes directly post game for the Buffalo Bills right here on the Built to Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And I'll tell you what, the Built to Buffalo Network is your source for entertainment and Bills content, Bills news, and everything that you need much more. So make sure to follow us, like us. And retweet this on Twitter. Join us on YouTube. Send us some super chats to my guy, Izzy. Let's show some love. And let's keep those tell comments him. flowing, Bills Mafia, because I'll tell you what, I like the opinions that I'm seeing. It's always great to see the Bills Mafia is well-informed about their football team. They pay attention. They're passionate. And, you know, they're not just Fairweather fans. You don't see your Fairweather fans. But, you know, my, the people that we see, it, it's great to see that they are actually genuinely passionate. Yeah. Look, I, I have a lot of guys who show up to my broadcast. And I don't do a whole ton of guests, right? Because when I do, it takes it takes a little bit away from the from the uh, the crowd. But every now and then, you gotta. <laughs> this saw Keem's comment. Let's <laughs> uh, hope. <laughs> all right. So, but at the same time, every now and then, it's nice to have one of my guys on here, and especially Sasuke, who brings so much freaking energy to the show. It, it's, it's it's amazing to feel. And then during the season, I'm gonna have a guest on just about every show. So, yeah, not, not even a guest. I'm going to be partnering with Akeem. So that's going to be wild. But, mm. man, just the energy that you brought to the show is, is wonderful, and I appreciate that. So check out Sauce Sauce give him your show. Every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, presented by Duff's Famous Swings, is the sit-down hosted by myself, the Sauce God, at Buffalo Sauce God across all social media platforms and co-hosted by the president of Boats of Buffalo and the co-host – of the Buffalo Blitz on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Peter DiBiase, Mr. Mafia Montage, at Lance Nelson BIB. That is my co-host. And we have your uh, coverage, all that much more, our usual segments, as well as getting saucy and maybe some stuff with chicken wings as well every Thursday night, 7 p.m., as well as available via audio podcast. And make sure check us out. Stay tuned with Izzy as well. And we got Akeem here in the crowd with us too. So, yeah, love, love having our, our co-founder in the crowd. Uh, Dave is out with uh, so, his family doing his thing. Now, let me ask you a question because this is where I really want to get your input, and I want you to kind of, you know, inform me, right? Because I'm I'm at a loss. I don't I don't necessarily look at the level of competition for the middle linebacker position because it's just never been my area. I'm more of an offensive guy, I'm more of a skill player guy. I'm, I, you know, in fact, I I played receiver, right? So, does it look like Bayman Specter or you know Terrell Bernard to you? Or I'm sorry, uh, is it Tyrell Bernard, right? No, Tyrell Dotson played Bernard's injured. Tyrell Dotson. Tyrell Dotson, my bad. Tyrell Dotson. Tyrell Dotson or Bill Inspector. Who do you think? Or do you think that Dorian Williams actually has a shot? Like, tell me right now, you guys two in the comments, the middle linebacker position, What? Uh, who has kind of really got that leaning towards him? So Tyrell Dotson was not very impressive. He, he actually missed a couple gaps on some plays. Um, he, I, I was not impressed by his performance. Uh, yesterday, I thought that it was lackluster. I thought that he, you know, missed some assignments. Uh, I think that with Terrell Bernard being out now, you're going to have to bring Dorian Williams into the conversation. He's going to have to come into the fold to compete for that spot. Uh, Balen Specter, I believe, personally has a better grasp of the defense and is much more understanding of where he's supposed to be than Terrell Dodson. But he's he is a seventh round pick. Granted, Dodson's undrafted, but he's been in the scheme. For five years 
whereas Ben Spector, he's going into year two. Uh, I think that Dorian Williams, even though he was playing Will yesterday, he looked a lot better than all of the linebackers other than not, not named Matt Milano. Anybody not named Matt Milano, Dorian Williams looked better than. And so mm-hmm. maybe they start working him in now to see because I was I was not impressed at all. I was just it's it sad just... because you know they that was a thing that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean kind of both said that they felt like was already addressed by you know having Dodson and having you know Spectre there as well because Dodson being there for five years and then you know now Spectre coming in the year two. But it never felt like that position was kind of wrapped up or, or locked up because you lost it with Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds, whether he made mistakes or not, whether he, he, you think he was – yes, he was overpaid in my opinion. Of course, we had to let him go. But it provided uh, – it, it created a bigger hole in the defense than I think we were prepared for to have a guy like Terrell Dodson or um, um, Valen Spector to kind of come in and try to take over and, and – because middle linebacker, that's the anchor of the defense, right? Is he? You know, so really, I think Dorian Williams, he's young and he's fast. He's, he's a prototype player. And and if you really ask me, if he were to, if you're able to put on the pounds, he'd be a little bit more like Tremaine Edwards, you know? I'm actually a little offended by this comment here. Dodson stinks just Preston Brown 2.0. Preston Brown was much better than Terrell Dodson. I'm sorry. Preston Brown was a, was, was a starting caliber middle linebacker. He might have been like 25th to 32nd in the NFL, but he was Wasn't a starting caliber Brown? guy. No, no, no. Zach Brown's a different guy. So he's he's got a band. Uh, Preston Brown was our third round pick like 15 years me. ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Preston Brown was a, uh, a linebacker we had. He played for us for his first four years, and then he went and moved on, and he stunk up the joint. I think in Cincinnati after after play for us. Um, but he played well for us, well enough to to start. Uh, mm-hmm. Dotson, I don't think he's going to get many starts. I, I hope not. I'm not impressed. And I like him as a backup. If you need somebody to come in and play cleanup, fine. But starting, no, no, thank you. Uh, I think that Darren Williams needs to be inserted into this competition as soon as possible. Yeah, just because I like to get myself like hyped up a little bit about hypotheticals. Imagine a, a prime Patrick Willis on this football team right now to come over and play middle linebacker. You know what I mean? Like, we just really don't have – Especially without Vaughn Miller on the football field, we don't really have that anchor. I feel like at that mo- at this moment, and we need that. I mean, yeah, you got Matt Milano up there, sure. You got your safeties, but we really need that uh, the linebackers to lock it down. So, one of them guys is going to really have to step up. And we we have no excuses. We have our window. We have got to win a Super Bowl. I agree. Yeah, and the linebacker is one of those positions where it's slept on. Like like running back, people are like running backs are a dime a dozen. And for the most part, you can bring somebody in and get good running back play out of them. Middle linebackers are a different animal. They're literally the guy in the defense calling the plays, changing things when they see something happening, telling people where they're supposed to be, and it's not a position that is purely physical like running back. It is a position that is highly mental. If you look at the greats, the the Patrick Willis's, the Luke Keekleys, the Ray Lewis's, those guys were very cerebral. Yeah, very very cerebral players who understood their assignments and the assignments of everybody around them on the defense. And the reason why it's important for your middle linebacker to be your play caller is because they can communicate with everybody from the spot that they're in in the field. It's very difficult for you to have a safety or a lineman or a corner taking that green dot. You need somebody in the middle of that defense who can recognize and deliver the information appropriately to the rest of the guys around them. 
that being said, uh, right here in this comment from T at the uh, NYAP in the 716 Madam Not Your podcast, Madam T of Built in Buffalo fame, thank you for showing up. Uh, she asked a good question. Do you think that they'll get someone? Uh, maybe it's possible, but that person would have to be trained up in this defense. This is not a simple defense. Um, granted, there are plenty of linebackers out there who probably fit this scheme well. Um, but as of right now, it's it's hard to see that in the future because we haven't gone through the final cuts of any rosters yet. So we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And plus, we don't really have time to try to fine-tune things um, you know, in week one, we want to be ready to go week one because we have to play the Jets. And, you know, whether I want to say that they are overhyped or not, which I really do think that the Jets are, we it's an important game. You want to come out, you want to set the tone early, you want to you show everybody exactly why they need to shut up, and you want to also get ahead in the division. And this is a division that I, you could really argue to be the number one in the NFL for toughest. So, you just really need to come out there and you have to have your identity established immediately. And maybe with the players that we have with like guys like Leonard Floyd, who are kind of, you know, a linebacker edge rusher, kind of hybrid Taylor Rapp. Maybe this defense is kind of going to have those gaps filled and we just don't know it yet because they're not going to put everybody out there at once. Or maybe it's just uh, something where we have to have guys like Vaughn Miller out there for as well too. So uh, I think that, we just need to have everybody healthy, and when we have everybody healthy, then we can kind of piece together everything, and, and I think that we'll find a way to fill those gaps um, as much as possible. That's what we're going to do, especially if we are able to get to the quarterback fast enough too, Izzy. None of it matters. If we get to the quarterback, sure. it, none of it matters. You know, coverage, none of that shit matters. You get to the quarterback, you stop the run early. There you go. I could see a scheme where they go blitz heavy from the middle linebacker position. Where they move, uh, you know, Dotson around if he's the guy, and you just blitz him most of the time. You know, on occasions you let him read and react, but they're gonna have to scheme around that if he's the guy. Uh, also, one more thing, uh, my buddy Jacob here, he he has his own little channel where he's doing his thing. He just started. He's a young man, eighteen years old. Uh, Spears Bills talk on YouTube. Check him out. Uh, he's a great kid, and uh, yeah, just check out my guy there. But. Who's our linebackers? Um, we don't know. <laughs> I was Jake, just we don't know. Yeah, we hey, know Matt Milano, and that's Chicago. about it. Yeah. Uh, what's we called? Um, there are some some people in the comments talking about Rashawn Evans, who was drafted the same draft as uh, Tremaine Evans. Uh, I guess he's 6'2", 232, was a first round pick. I think he was with Atlanta last year. That someone said here, uh, he may be somebody to look at. Um, but Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. If they haven't picked him up already and he's a free agent, I'm not sure if they're looking that way. But they might start looking mm -hmm. that way now because that was atrocious. I don't think linebacker play was good at all. Exactly. So I think uh, what I what I take away the most from yesterday is that the Bills are are going to be 
in my opinion, just fine with the level of depth that they have, the players that they have. I don't think that there's anybody that we really needed to add. Or, uh, you know, I know everybody wanted DeAndre Hopkins or uh, we wanted just certain players via free agency. And, and at the end of the day, guys, we, we were able to still piece together this core. Uh, Brandon Bean did a phenomenal job bringing uh, – the majority of people back. And as long as we have a healthy team and uh, we have our identity and we go out there and we just uh, remember that we're the alpha dog, uh, then I think that we're going to be just fine. And that this team is, it's bound to be successful. You know, Sean McDermott being now the head coach and defensive coordinator and calling the plays back there really just puts everything on the line. And I think that it just puts things into perspective. And and it's not the first time in Bill's Mafia. We, I'm, you got to remember that it's not the first time Sean McDermott has, taken over play calling for Leslie Frazier either at, during a point in the game or during a point in the season. And now it will be obviously for the whole season. So maybe Sean McDermott really has uh, the keys that we need to see our defense kind of come up in those areas. If the offense especially plays more consistently because, man, we got to just put it all together, all three phases. And when we do that, and I've seen this team do it. We've all seen it against the Patriots in the playoffs, um, against the Broncos. Uh, to clinch the AFC East for the first time in however many years and against the Miami Dolphins that same year too. Um, this team has everything that it needs. As he, it just It's, again, staying healthy in its identity and, and remembering that Ken Dorsey is now a year two offensive coordinator. We have to give some people time to learn to adjust to the game. And uh, Brian Dable needed the same thing. Now he's a head coach. Um, yeah, you know, Brian Dable now a head coach. It would be good for him. He had a, a year last year. Did he win uh, Coach of the Year? I don't know, but he was cracking open cold ones at the the owners' meetings at 10 a.m. Like he was the first one cracking them open, but I think he was Coach of the Year. So yes, uh, and, and granted, him, because he knows how to design offenses, yes, but uh, that's what Ken Dorsey probably had struggled with a little bit last year was figuring out when to run with Devin Singletary, when to run with James Cook, when to give the ball to Josh Allen, when to let Josh Allen do his thing. There's a lot of things that go into it. You got to go to Stephon Diggs. You all you want to go to Gabe. There's a lot of things that go into it. And, uh, you know, really a lot of things that went and and kind of derailed us that were out of our control too, is he like the amount of attention that we had, the amount of favoritism that was being placed on us to be Super Bowl favorites. Right. And then obviously with DeMar Hamlin, and what transpired with him too. So I mean, the level of distractions that we had outside yeah, of football. Cool. You just hope and pray that, was, that we uh we get lucky because you gotta get lucky. That's why it's so hard to win two fucking Super Bowls in a row. And that's why we haven't seen it in how how damn long is he, you know? Uh yeah, we haven't been in a Super Bowl since nineteen ninety three. So yeah, it's been a while. And you you th- you break it down, right? The way you broke it down right there is pretty eloquent because going to two in a row is hard enough. And we went to four in a row back then. And we lost them all, but you know. But winning two in a row, we haven't seen winning two in a row. Patriots. Yeah, that's that's not even. Look at Mahomes; he's what the best quarterback in the NFL. He goes to the AFC Championship game every year, but he doesn't go to the Super Bowl every year. And not just that, but just the the sheer gauntlet that you have to go through is tough as it is. Teams are are doing their damnedest to catch you, and not just catch you, but beat you. The, the, no one saw mm-hmm. the Bengals coming until they they drafted Joe Burrow. That changed everything. No one saw us coming until we drafted Josh. You know, it, it was a whole lot of nothing going on until you get. Even then, nobody saw it coming at that point. Yeah, I mean, and even still, I mean, the Colts are in that situation yeah. right now that we were in with Josh rookie year, with Anthony Richardson his rookie year, and there's there's so many different See, now, factors you have, that go into it. 
salary cap is a big thing. Obviously, injury is a big part of it too. And then in retaining guys um, for a certain amount of years as well, because you know the Seahawks were able to get to the Super Bowl twice, and and they won one of them because they had Russell Wilson under a rookie contract. They had you know Earl you, Thomas under go. a rookie contract. My guy said uh, we weren't answering his question. He's out. We're gonna get to the DBs. We haven't gotten there yet. So if you're exactly. out already, then sorry. We'll see you. You know, maybe next time. Uh, but we haven't got to DBs yet. We're kind of working our way down. Um, but we'll, we'll Adam Bamasudo is in. Who what? is that? Who is that? By the way, I see that Bills fan, nineteen seventy. I'm not sure. Well, that's me. That they're referring to me. I I don't know who it is, but hey, God bless you, of course. So Scott, we love you. Um, Izzy, I think right. we got to get the D backs uh, here. Yeah, let's talk about the D backs because uh, Dane Jackson. A lot of people are like, Dane Jackson's made a case to be the number two corner. I'm like, he had a ball thrown directly at him. Like, if he didn't catch that, he'd not be the starting corner. Like, it would guarantee him not being the starting corner. Like, he caught an Aaron throw. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Uh, you know, with Kair Elam being handsy and Dane Jackson, he got that interception, so that doesn't hurt his stock. But I don't think it helps his stock as much as, as you would think it does. Um, and Benford didn't have a great game either. He, he played pretty mm -hmm. average. Uh, I think that that CB2 slot is still wide the hell open. And we did yeah. talk about DBs a little bit with Taylor Rapp because he's kind of doing everything. But when it comes to corners, man – I don't know. They didn't play Taron Johnson in this game, right? And, and they didn't do that because Cam Lewis is already hurt. So his backup is hurt. So you don't want the starter to get hurt, too. Now you have no slot corner. You want to have a nickel back. Mm. And, you know, Taylor Rapp could probably take that spot, too. But you have bigger plans for him. So you you, you let some other guy go out there who's going to be the guy trying to make a name for himself, which I'm sure that guy's happy for his opportunity, whoever that was. But you also want to do some sort of self-preservation with – the guys who were thin at their spot. Saran Neal took, uh, you know, a lot of snaps at nickel. And I think that he looked good at times and he looked garbage at times. He was kind of a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. And it shows why he's a special teams guru. He Good on special teams, good tackler. But coverage is kind of meh. I think that CB2 is still wide open, though. What do you think? Now it's it's great that you actually we're we're talking about this right now because this comment was actually just brought up. Now both Kyle Alam and Christian Bedford both had uh, holding penalties. Yeah, a little questionable, maybe perhaps for both of them, sure, but they were just uh, handsy plays, and um, it is wide open. You know, they both seem to play kind of at the same level. It hasn't seemed to. One day it, it kind of leans towards Kyler Lam. One day it leans towards Bedford. But at the end of the day, we drafted Kyler Lam in the first round last year to be the cornerback too. And uh, I think that this is just a great thing for this team because iron sharpens iron. So the, this, this competition is only going to be a good thing for whoever is going to be that CB2. I think um, at the moment I'm going to I'm going to lean towards that Kyler Lam will become CB2. I think he's going to find his groove and. And kind of settle in, kind of like I thought he did a little bit more in his rookie campaign last year, especially in the middle and later part of the season last year. So I think overall, at the end of the day, you got two games left in the preseason, and that's great because these are valuable snaps and these are uh, opportunities for these two young men. So we're going to have to see who's going to come out on top. Yeah, I agree. 
I mean, we actually, you kind of disagree with me, but about the point. Uh, I think that again, it's wide open at CB two. Uh, the safeties are to me are safeties are already basically a lock. If we're keeping four. It's it's Hamlin. It's Rap. It's Hyde. It's Poyer. That's it. Uh, if they keep a fifth safety, they're gonna take that spot from somewhere else. Uh, then we're talking about Cam Lewis versus Dean Marlowe, which Cam Lewis is both a slot and a safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Cam Lewis at safety, but this uh, this offseason and this training camp, he's kind of proved me wrong on that one. Last year was his first time mm-hmm. tinkering with that in the NFL, and it was it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And last year, pardon my French, I said. We saw Cam Lewis's safety and never effing again. I didn't swear. I was going to swear, but I kind of pulled it back there. Never again. He's proven me wrong on that in camp. We'll see how that looks in the season. But he's a guy who can double as a corner and a safety. So he's a guy that you can actually keep on the roster where you're not really losing a spot somewhere else. So I actually kind of like Cam Lewis to make the roster this year. I'm going to find the answer to this, by the way, uh, uh, just in a moment, because that's actually a really good question from John Robert. I know the I answer. To find that, but, yeah. I know the answer. Yeah, you do? The answer Go ahead. Is, so after week three of the preseason, there is one mm-hmm. cut down straight from 90 to 53. So that bye week between week three of the preseason and week one of the regular season is when all 53 men have to be selected and the rest have to be cut, practice squatted, waived, depending on their contract situation, whether they're – still in their first four years or beyond. Uh, so it is that week between. Okay. Yeah, excellent. Because honestly, like I, I figured that it was probably at that point, but you get the great comment right here from County, because honestly, yeah, I say that, you know, we draft him in the first round and essentially you'd like to see the guy that you draft in the first round become, you know, exactly what you drafted him to, to do it for that, you know, for the team. Right. So, uh, but overall, yeah, whoever's playing better, it should be the guy that's playing. It doesn't matter where you're drafted. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that it's going to be Kai Erlon because I do think that his development is is going to be um, – it's something that we're, we, I definitely have seen. I've seen him come out in strides and and definitely uh, grow just kind of similar to the way that Tredavious White did in his rookie season as well. So uh, it will definitely be very beneficial to the kid to have a healthy Tredavious White out there opposite of him and to have Taron Johnson out there and to have – healthy safeties and have a healthy defensive line that's getting after there because, Hey, the defensive backs can be the best in the world. If the quarterback gets sacked, right? The quarterback has two seconds to throw. Defensive backs are fine because the longer you got to stay on your man, that's what makes it tougher. That's why Pat Mahomes is one of the best because he extends plays for so long. And that eventually you can't blame the guys, right? That's why it's so crucial to get to the, the quarterback as well. So, um, I want to get into your opinion here on the defensive line, Izzy. Uh, do yeah. you think, even with the absence of Vaughn Miller at the moment, what do you think of the state of the defensive line with guys like Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, um, Puna Ford, and, and the likes of such? So I actually think Epinesa has been doing a pretty good job. Uh, yesterday, Boogie Basham made an appearance and started looking you know, yeah. like he was actually fighting for a spot on his team. Uh, and I, I'm happy for that, you know. Shaq Lawson's kind of looking like the odd man out now that Boogie's, you know, really putting it together. Although I do like Shaq, and if we kept five defensive ends, it'd probably be uh, Boogie at this point and Shaq fighting for that last spot. Uh, Russo, you know, he, he's, he probably he didn't see much time. 
and Floyd didn't either. It was mostly Epinesa, mm-hmm. Boogie, uh, Shaq, uh, and the, the rest of the young guys. Shane Ray was out there. Uh, Boogie made the biggest case for improvement yesterday. Epinesa was steady Eddie. Uh, defensive tackle-wise, Tim Settle came to show out. Tim Settle was not playing any games. And here's the thing. People are like, Tim Settle's probably going to get cut. I highly because doubt it. He cares. Tim Settle, I thought was going to – last year, I thought he was going to have a better year than Daquan Jones. Daquan Jones had the better year, in my opinion. But now Tim Settle's kind of coming out, and he's playing better too. So, you know, and Sean McDermott loves to have that rotational option for his defensive lineman. And yeah. right now with no Von Miller, you definitely have to have ways that you could still find, uh, you know, the holes and gaps so you could still be as violent and still be as, um, you know, deadly on the defensive rush, you know, rushing the quarterback. So I think uh, I like the fact that we got Jordan Phillips out there as well, too, is a good thing. And Ed Oliver obviously out there doing his thing. And um, at the end of the day, man, I just think Jack Lawson, he's the kind of guy that also likes to, to, to you have to make a case to get him off the field as well too, you know he yeah. he makes use of his plays and he's so good stopping the run as well, um, Very. you know and I thought that you know we did a pretty solid job against the Colts who definitely have uh, some playmakers out there you know with with some of their receivers and some of their uh, some of their backs right no Jonathan Taylor sure but, but uh, the way that our defensive line played yesterday especially Tim Settle he definitely did crush it yesterday. They crushed it, and the, a lot of people were, you know, before the game, because uh, now people seem to be uh, resurging his praises, right? They're, they're coming back to Tim Settle, you know, he might be a guy. The likeliness that Tim Settle was going to get cut is highly unlikely, in my opinion. And the reason for that is because he carries like a $5.3 million cap hit. That's a mm-hmm. dead cap hit if you cut him, because you restructured him. So now if we cut him, we don't get much back in return. It's, it's a minimal return to cut him. So do you want to have a guy that you just released who's got a motor like no other? Skills-wise, last year didn't show out that great, but the motor was there. You want to pay him $5 million to not be on the team, or are you going to just eat it and see? Because right now he's showing, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. And so with that, exactly. I want him here because he wants to be here, and he's putting yeah. it out there on tape now. So – it's kind of like when somebody goes to get a, themselves a job. The people that call and follow up with the employer are usually the ones that actually get the job because they show them that they want to be here. You know, they they want this. They're they're yes. dedicated. They actually it ain't they ain't doing it just to impress other people. They want to be there. Well, it's not just that, but Tim Settle, he's kind of got us by the balls for this five million dollars. He could go out there and 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 for lack of a better term, shit the bed. They cut him. He gets his five mil, goes somewhere else, and makes more money somewhere else. He could do that, but he's not. He's Tim Settle, don't you dare think about doing that. Yeah, he, he he wants to be here. He's showing he wants to be here because he could do that, and he's not. Mm-hmm. He's going out there, and he's trying to prove his point because he wants to have a nice, steady, long career, even if it's only as a rotational guy. Mm-hmm. So with Tim Settle, I see him being on his roster. I see it being Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, Tim Settle, and if they keep five, Jordan Phillips. Yeah, amen to that. I like that, and then hey, that's great rotational depth. And it ultimately, it's it's a, a lot of the same guys playing next to each other for the last two, three years now, which is really very, very important for those of you that don't really realize in the world of football that 
continuity with your offensive lineman and your defensive lineman is truly very important because playing next to a guy with the way that they move, the way that they get up field, the way that they move downfield, the way that they move left to right is, is huge, right? So these guys have now got a couple years under their belt with each other, some of them three, um, and that's huge, right? So if we can have that much more of a veteran presence too with that defensive line and we can kind of see more um, reliability with them as well, that's huge, especially in the when it comes to stopping the run and it comes to getting the quarterback. And, uh, you know, that's right there. If you can kind of have the defensive line be that elite and be that good and be that versatile and uh, be able to adapt to the situations, then that's going to make up for the lack of maybe a premier linebacker such as a Tremaine Edmonds or maybe, uh, you know, a premier quarterback too as well. Yeah. Quarterback too is another thing we got to talk about too because – Oh Barkley yeah, versus, the Barkley versus Allen thing is. It's, Barkley it's loves to do it, dude. He likes to he likes to mess around and he likes to say, you know, whoever thinks that they're going to be QB two, he likes to mess around and you know play better. But uh, he looked good and he looked he looked poised and he's always looked poised ever since he came in for the Bills and he actually played. What was it against the Jets? I think it was Allen's rookie year when he was actually out with an elbow injury at that moment, and we had Derek Anderson hit year. Um, but that was our uh, exactly. So um, I think that Matt Barkley is in show poise. Barkley was the Jets up that that game. Matt Barkley was a uh, he was a premier college quarterback at USC too. He was a Heisman candidate, and it's crazy that his NFL career didn't pan out to be anything massive. But really good dude. And um, so what happens? Yeah, obviously you're going to keep Kyle Allen. You can't get rid of him, right? But they can because his contract's not too different from. Matt Barkley, but uh, if Barkley keeps outplaying him, he may find himself on the practice squad in Barkley's role the last couple of years. I don't see a, a big market to go out there and try and steal Kyle Allen away. I see him, you know, either being the winner of the QB two job or on the practice squad like Barkley would be. I think those are going to be his really his real options because the last few years he's been kind of sinking lower and lower that NFL totem pole of free agent quarterbacks, and so now when you put him on the practice squad, like John Roberts just said in the comments here, new rule, emergency QB, all three will be dressed. So if something happens to Josh and something yeah, happens exactly. to Barkley, then you can bring Al, uh, Allen, or Kyle Allen in. Or if something happens to, you know, Allen and Allen, and then Barkley's on your practice squad, same thing. So it's, it's really a really new, interesting new rule. I, I like the rule, but and the, the the competition for backup quarterback is a real thing, and Sean McDermott really confirmed that in his interview today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think overall, it's a great thing that this is we're talking about quarterback two versus quarterback one. We're not talking about a quarterback Thank one God. competition, you know what I mean? So we're blessed in that regard, right? Thank you. But no, Matt Barkley looked much better. He just had more time. Kyle Allen just kind of has seemed uncomfortable. Uh, this whole training camp and in, in preseason, he didn't, you know, Steve Tasker, I heard at one point um, saying, in, I rewatched the broadcast here at home and he says, you know, he doesn't seem like he's willing to kind of step into the pocket and take some of those, you know, bumps and bruises and, and those hits at this moment. Maybe he's just not really accustomed to it at this moment. But um, I think, yeah, Matt Barkley definitely has um, more familiarity as well. 
Uh, it's ultimately at the end of the day, Kyle Allen is kind of reminding me a little bit of Case Keenum last year. We expected Case Keenum to kind of really take over, but really, you know, Matt Barkley made himself a case as well. So to be uh, the the quarter, you know quarterback to last year. So at the end of the day, we're looking solid as far as our receivers. Uh, we're still obviously there is a position battle going on for receivers, uh, the slot receiver role that's huge. So I want to really know from you guys out in the comments and you too, Izzy that who are going to be the who's going to be the primary slot receiver and then if there's going to be like a secondary slot receiver who do you guys think 1A and 1B um who who those guys are going to be right now my guess is going to be it's going to be Khalil Shakir and I, I'm thinking possibly Sherfield but I'm seeing good things out of Hardy too it's it's a tough case you know so I, I'm with you on the Sherf, on the uh, Shakir I think Shakir will be the primary slot of course, Gabe Davis and uh, Steph Diggs will be the primary outside receivers. Sherfield mm-hmm. has been making a lot of noise, and so Dude, him and Josh what, Allen have an undeniable connection. I, I've, I've seen it in training camp that they they've got a, a real connection on the football field. They do, they do, and the role I see Sherfield in is not necessarily the same role a lot of people think. They're saying he's wide receiver three, and I would say, yeah, he's probably wide receiver three, but that does not necessarily make him the slot receiver. In my book, if Davis or Diggs comes off the field, Sherfield is the number one guy to go in there and replace one of those two guys. Yep. If it's just okay. like if it's a run play and you need a better run blocker, you take Diggs out, Sherfield goes in, it's Sherfield and Davis. If someone gets it's hurt, kind of like a two B. Kind of, yeah. It's like yeah. So if if you're running your first drive and these guys got you know six plays already ran and one of them's tired, you're gonna take one out, you're gonna put Sherfield, he's gonna be the primary backup to Diggs slash Davis. He's that guy. He can play in a slot too, mm-hmm. but I think that at, at some point that's going to be a waste of his time unless you're running the ball indefinitely. But then again, Shakir is a good blocker. So you wouldn't want to do that because then you're giving it away what you're doing. So you just run him out there whenever Diggs or Davis is tired, run play or pass play. And then you let the chips fall where they're made because he is working his ass off, obviously. Josh is taking notice. The coaches are taking notice. His peers on the team are taking notice, and anybody who's, who knows how to really break down film that has seen what he's doing in camp and in practice is able to realize this guy right here has potential to be an outside receiver, potentially starting number two somewhere, even if it's not here. And he's going to go out there this year and earn it because he's out. If, if it was just for the slot job, he, he probably already beats Shakir and Hardy. But I so, think that the role for him is going to be bigger than that. I think his role is going to be much bigger because of the presence of Dawson King, Dalton Kincaid also being in that slot. You don't want to have too many mouths to feed in one spot. So who's your backup outside, guys? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I do know now. It's definitely Trent Sherfield. And then there's definitely been cases where we've seen offensive that have had high-power passing attacks where they've had kind of like once in a while you'll see a third receiver have statistics or – kind of take over the game as if they were like, you know, the, the one, the one a of the team. Um, that's something that I've been kind of talking about this whole dynamic of the possibility that we're going to see a level of like Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden type of year from Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. You know what I mean? Those types of receivers where it really, you know, you could argue which one you want at one a for, for those two guys. Right. But you know, then you throw in a third guy. I forget who that they had a third receiver who was also really good as well. Um, on their on their squad, and on. that's what I'm Arizona? talking about. Yep, 
Uh, John Brown? No, nah, nah, I don't think it was John Brown. I can't Smoke remember who the hell it was. I don't know, but, but anyways, at the end of the day, I like what we have from those guys. Now I'm now I'm also very curious to what do you guys think of the offensive line play thus far, and how do you feel about the guys we got going forward? You know, obviously, we heard that Spencer Brown has looked a lot better it, because he's supposedly healthy. He did have an injury scare, and it looks like he's okay. But uh, yeah, you know, we talked about that a little bit. Myself, a montage that back injury could really, really affect the way that you play the offensive line position. So, how do you feel, Izzy, and, and everybody out there in the comments as well? So, what I heard about Spencer Brown was that he didn't actually re injure the back. Uh, from what I heard, he was having cramps. Uh, and mm -hmm. I heard that from the Capaccios, the Perinos, who have the inside, you know, push pull with the team that they can get information that we necessarily can't as, you know, independent journalists so to speak right so it was cramps it wasn't really a back injury and him going out there and playing the way he's playing now is is proving that mm -hmm. uh, also osiris torrance got the start yesterday over ryan bates and ryan bates took snaps as the second center so that is an interesting development and a very different thing that we're seeing than we saw in training camp what do you think about that I think I'm not surprised. Ryan Bates, you know, he got hurt in Miami because of the cramps and the dehydration, and he never really seemed to get it going after that point. He seemed to kind of be hobbled all year. And at this point, Osiris Torrance, we drafted him in the second round, and I like that draft pick almost. Me too. No knock, no knock on Dalton Kincaid, but almost more more than I like our first-round draft pick. And I liked what we did in the first round. Don't get me wrong. I liked what we did in the second round a lot, though, because it's an area of need, and it's a – it's a, it's a it's a stud that I think could really bolster up this offensive line in both the running and the passing game. And Lance talks about it all the time. Montage will tell you that you know we can we can pass block really well, but we need to learn to run block a hell of a lot better. If you break down the film, you'll see linemen that are missing easy blocks when they're pulling, and, and the, a guy that's half their size, and they're just whiffing on them, right? So I like. But I, I just I, – I also know there's the inconsistencies with – we don't know what's going to happen with Mitch Morris in the future. He, he's obviously had so many damn concussions. You got Deion Dawkins, really, who should be playing left guard. But, you know, he's – we haven't met left tackle because he's our best offensive lineman. Uh, but if we could have Spencer Brown locking down that right tackle position, it kind of does surprise me because I thought Brandon Shell was going to kind of come in and uh, maybe take that over. But it seems like Spencer Brown has stepped in. But now – if we have that offensive line looking solid, Izzy, it, I'll tell you what, man, it makes the world of a difference for what this football team is going to look like in the way that the, the offense is going to kind of uh, kind of correct. It's going to kind of right the ship itself, you know? And I'm actually pretty glad that Spencer Brown is kind of not relinquishing that role. He's not out here, you know, woe is me, my back was hurt last year. They brought another guy to compete with me. Like He, he seems to be stepping up with the competition. He seems to be getting better with the competition, which to me is very important mm -hmm. because when they bring in competition, are you going to be the the, 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 the the sissy who folds under pressure or are you going to be the big guy, the big dog who steps up and says, no, 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 no. This is my damn job and you're not taking yeah. it. And last year I was hurt. This year I'm not. You want my job? You're going to pry from a cold dead fingers, buddy. And that's exactly what Spencer exactly. Brown's doing. He's, he's going out there yeah. and he's eating as, as good as he can. And I, I like it. I, I love that dog mentality. 
Osiris Torrance is going out there and he is, you know, winning reps with the first team in the first preseason game, which says a lot to me. Uh, Ryan Bates taking that center spot, you know, that, that says to me that he, he's seen as that versatile guy who, even if he doesn't start, we can play him anywhere if somebody gets hurt. With Mitch Morse's history, he, he you know, he could get hurt. Uh, if McGovern doesn't turn out the way we thought he could, he could switch over there. There's a lot that could be done with this offensive line. You have David Edwards as well. Now, some, you bring up real- a good point real fast that I wanted to kind of really dive into and, and just be, before I forget it because it's great to see that, like you said, we have guys that when they bring in the competition, they don't bitch and moan. They step up because you either you can take the punches and you can sit there and cry about it and do nothing and you'll you'll sit there and you'll you'll never get any better. Or you could sit up and you, you could do something about it. You could fight and figure out a way because in this world there's no excuses. There's only solutions, right? So it's good to see that. But it's good to see that we don't have players – complaining to the media, you know, I want out of this team, they, they, they take my role away, yada, yada. It always seems to be that these guys have nothing really but good things to say, and they that's the culture that has been brought here. And I bring yep. it up as many times as I can. It doesn't matter if we're talking preseason because culture is so huge with this the entire thing that we're doing at One Bill's Drive that none of this matters with the way that we play football or none of this matters with the way that our team is built unless we have that culture, which we do. So I like that we have competition and depth and we are definitely building uh, a level of a caliber that reminds me of like a 50 caliber machine gun, man. That thing is going to be heavy, powerful, and that thing is just going to be nonstop. You know what I mean? I love the M2, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I'm saying, hey, we might have to get an M2 Abrams out there as well, so. No, no, M2 no. Machine Gun. No, M2 or M2 Abrams tank. M2 Abrams, is, 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 that's, a, that's a big Well, no, I know with the 50 caliber, but, <laughs> but I love me a like, nice Abrams tank. That's kind of what reminds me of, like, with some of the guys that play uh, on the offensive line. They're fast, they're fast too. He's like a tank. That, that boy, that, no, that boy is like a, yeah. <laughs> that dude's a tank of something. I tell you that. That dude's a monster. Run, run bounds. James Cook is gonna is gonna be you know singing the praises of Brandon Bean. Thank you, sir. Thank you, because you got Roger Saffold out here. Addition by subtraction. You bring in that was a big... disappointment. Oh Jesus Christ! But it was I, such a disappointment. I, I love that we're on the same page about these players stepping up with competition coming in the door as if it wasn't coming, not having weak ass constitutions and going out there and saying, you know what, the hell with it. You want to compete with me? Fine. Let's play the damn game. Let's do this. And mm-hmm. that that to me is, is far more important than a lot of different things that some of these players have. The willingness and ability to go out there and say, to hell with it. Let's go. Let's, let's put the gloves on. Let's see what we got. Winner take all. And yes. Yeah, that, oh, I'm there easy. with you. Great stuff, man. Hey, real fast, I want to give you guys a, a real fa- a fast, quick shout-out. We're live here in the Red Zone Report, hosted by Izzy every Sunday, and I'm his co-host, his special guest, the Sauce God, the host of the sit-down. Izzy is, of course, on Twitter. Where can they find you at, buddy? I am at TFP Rican, which stands for that freaking Puerto Rican, uh, on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook by my government name, Ismael Monero Jr., uh, and then right here on Built in Buffalo on YouTube uh, every yep. Sunday. And then occasionally yep. you'll see me guest starring with some folks. I'll be on Tuesday, the Buffalo Blitz, because um, our man Montage can't make it. So I'll be on there with, uh, I think, either Montage can't make it or Peter can't. One of them can't make it. So yeah. I'll be on, on Tuesday. 
Excellent. Check me out there. And uh, look, let's just enjoy the ride, man. The season's exactly. two and a half weeks away. Let's right. Let's probably, it's actually still three weeks away because we have that bye week in between. But who cares? Who cares? Let's just enjoy yeah. the ride because this season the Bills ride under the radar, and I'm just hoping we take some scouts with us on our way to Super Bowl. So let's go. And this episode of the Red Zone Report is presented by PLB Sports Entertainment on the Built to Buffalo Networks Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And if you haven't already done so, ladies and gentlemen, do us a favor, like and share, send in some comments on YouTube, Super Chats, Facebook, Stars on Facebook. And if you're watching on Twitter, well, do us a favor, retweet this, follow us, then come over to YouTube and join us and subscribe to us. Make sure to turn those notifications on so you don't miss the Red Zone Report or any of the other live content or any of the content coming from Built in Buffalo, the best damn source for Bill's content and entertainment. All right, all right. What else we got to cover? <laughs> well, I think ultimately we got the Steelers coming up. And, you know, and that's yeah. really what we're kind of all looking at next. You know, how we're going to go against some guys that are uh, – they got some good receivers over there. And Pickett. And I expect that they're going to definitely put out uh, – George Pickett's definitely going to probably get some playing time. Yeah. Uh, I think Deontay Johnson too because he's got to clean up his game. Free move, you know, Najee Harris uh, and Kenny Pickett coming into year two. And he looks to be the guy there. He looks to have uh, definitely uh, assumed the role of quarterback one over there. So I'm looking at that. Overall, though, I think, Izzy, that the things that I take away, DeMar Hamlin making some great plays. We have depth in areas that, you know, makes it a good problem to have. Um, I think that this defense is going to be a level of ferociousness that we are not seeing, and that's a good thing to have Sean McDermott calling the plays. I think that we have more potential in a guy like Dorian Williams that we just have to realize we have to find a way to incorporate them, and we have to find ways to make use of the talent that we have, right? And that, that's kind of what I'm yeah. seeing. We got a lot of talent out there. I think right now Khalil Shakir also owns that receive, uh, slot receiver role, and I think in, Andy Isabel is making a case to make this yeah. squad, whether it's in the return game or whether it's actually seeing the field for some snaps too because I like what he brings to this offense. And also, hashtag let James Cook because he is going to make this offense – that much better if we, we can just establish the run game with him and let him be the identity that he needs to have established right away as RB1. Because when, hey, last season, Izzy, him and Devin Singletary were kind of going back and forth. That's going to be tough. You don't know who really you're going to go. It's like we, then next thing you know, you're throwing Matt Breed in the mix when we had Zach Moss a couple years ago. No, yeah. we have James Cook. He's RB1. Damian Harris, RB2. We know what our identity is. Let's go in and just take care of the football one play at a time. Move it. Play defense, just mm-hmm. play a clean game of football, and I think that that's exactly what this team needs to, to do. Yeah, we What's we had that? too many miles that running back. We had too many miles that running back to feed, uh, you know, for a bunch of years. So we had uh, you know Singletary, Moss, and and uh, Yeldon, and then we had Brita come in, and then we it's, it's too much, right? He right now, Yeldon. I think we're, we have a nice little spot. We're doing our thing. Uh, who was most impressive to you in the game yesterday? Who stood out to you? Honestly. It's crazy, man, but I, I got to say Matt Barkley stood out with, with how he only had, what, one incompletion? I think I got to give you a, I gotta give you a couple players for sure, but I think DeMar Hamlin really, and it's not just because of the fact that he played, it's because I really thought that he played a great game. He didn't over-pursue. He was there when he needed to be. No hesitance whatsoever. He was just – I thought last year he was getting burned, and you know, and and I love Demar, but he didn't play exactly the greatest level of, uh, you know, 
what we needed him to be at last year, especially with the injuries we had. But I thought yesterday he looked different. Maybe that's exactly uh, what's brewing him in. Maybe he's got the eye of the tiger in him. So I thought that him and, and I also liked what I saw out of Andy Isabella and Khalil Shakir. I think that overall those are the guys that definitely had me turn my head uh, in that free, first preseason matchup, which was definitely still very exciting, even for it being preseason. I agree, yeah. Uh, Matt Barkley was definitely impressive to me. He was 14 and 15, 172, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. And that, that's probably a perfect passer rating. Uh, it doesn't say on here at ESPN where I'm looking, so I'm, I'm definitely got the, the website up. Uh, I'll pull it up. To me, the most important, the most uh, impressive guys were Tim Settle, uh, yeah. Jordan Mims, and Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson both had three catches, 42 yards. But Andy Isabella took one for 30. He caught the ball, and he got yards after the catcher. He got that yak. So I'm glad to see that Andy Isabella went out there and did his thing. Uh, Tyrell Shavers, to me. Uh, he had a rough first half. The rating was 154.0. Isn't it 158.3 for a perfect rating? Yeah, that, that's perfect, yeah. So he, Still, he was, I mean, he was, 154, he's pretty damn close. It's pretty, it's pretty freaking close. So, yeah, I, I was very impressed with Matt Barkley. Uh, Tyrell Shavers, he had, he had kind of a miserable first half. But the second half, where he had that touchdown, that go-ahead, to me, some of these other receivers are really pushing for that sixth receiver spot that we all pretty much assumed Justin Shorter was going to get. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about Shorter now because he hasn't shown me anything. So, I mean, we haven't really ever heard much noise coming out of, you know, out of his, his direction because we do have a lot of guys that have, uh, you know, obviously have the experience and Justin Shorter is still obviously the type of guy that's a, he's a, he's a development type of player, right? You know, he's got the physical uh, he's got the physicality. He's got everything that you want as far as that. But, but some guys got to develop uh, their skill set and they got to develop the position and their craft a lot more. And I haven't really seen much out of Justin Shorter other than the fact that he's big. Um, and I think that this offense just kind of really has too much commanded in so many different areas that it's going to be hard for us to find a way to get him incorporated. I mean, what do you need? You know, you have Stefan Diggs who can get separation. You have Gabe Davis, who's a physical big receiver as well. You got Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox who are tight ends. Those are your red zone threats as well. And then you got guys who are speedsters too that it just is Justin Shorter really going to be exactly what we know. Maybe he's the type of guy that we develop him in through the practice squad and maybe he gets a kind of chance to uh, to get some valuable uh, reps in, in playing time that he could, down the road, develop more into the type of receiver that really the type of receiver that you want him to grow into is a, is a DK Metcalf. He, the size that he has is very similar to that or Julio Jones, that that type of guy, right? Big physical guys that have speed and athleticism. But he's definitely a, a work in progress, and I don't necessarily yeah. think that we're going to see anything big out of him this year. But, um, yeah, definitely it's great to have him as a rookie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, uh, Patman and Aitman look good too. So the the, yeah. the depth that wide receiver was was pretty good. And then freaking uh, running back Mims just that one play again. It just sticks out of my head where he he catches the ball, he's running on the sideline, jumps over a dude, keeps it pushing. Like I I think he's a guy who's interesting to make the team. But I think that is our show today, sir. How are you feeling? Right, man. All Excellent. Right. Everybody, you can catch me every Sunday and during the regular season post-game show. You can catch Anthony right here every Thursday night 
on the sit down with the mafia montage himself, Lance. Yeah. Guys, real fast, you, um, get it. guys, check me out on all my social media platforms, YouTube channel at Buffalo Sauce God, Facebook, Anthony Bamasudo, and uh, my TikTok at Buffalo Sauce God. Uh, all my social media, basically, and I also got a website, www.buffalosauceguide.com, chicken wing reviews, merchandise also there too. And uh, I'm usually live doing all sorts of content, entertainment, not just Bill's stuff as well, guys, but uh, but also I always Bill's always get incorporated too. So guys, check me out as well, and uh, make sure to check out Izzy every Sunday night, and make sure to check him out with the Buffalo Blitz too, man. Izzy is one of the more, hey, like I said, one of my favorite show hosts that I see for any sort of content out there in the world of sports. So guys, make sure to follow, turn on those notifications, like this. And don't forget to share it so other people can get this content as well and we can spread the word. Built in Buffalo is booming, baby. Hey, and when you go to Buffalo, go to freaking Bar Bill and get you those Cajun Honey Butter Barbecue Wings. Woo! Any beef I'm like, baby. Oh, I was. Look, he ordered. I wanted the full-size beef on Wick. I'm glad I didn't get the full beef on Wick because I was full. I was full. I crushed I twenty happy. wings, man. Dude, I can I couldn't believe when you did because I'm fatter than you. So, <laughs> hey, but it was it's a- funny too because Izzy goes, "Hey, you're much taller than I expected." Everybody thinks that I'm five foot six. I want everybody to know six foot one, six two on a good day. All right, so hey, I thought we'll I was walking over like, "Hey, what's up, Anthony? How you doing?" And I was like, "Oh shoot, how, how you doing, hey, bro? Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> How you doing? Don't hurt me. All Great right. stuff, man. Thank guys, you for having me on, Izzy. God bless you, man. God bless you too, brother. Everybody, you guys have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Enjoy your families. Enjoy this week. Enjoy the Pittsburgh game. See you Tuesday. God bless and go Bills. Go Bills. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.